it. I was sitting in a petrol station last night and I was calming and oh mother of God, the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes. They are That mad. was the one lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're mental about it, yeah. That's Don't go to rock. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch big games from the Women's Super League Live on Sky Sports This is News Talk Now we are very much continuing our build up to the World Cup So Argentina, third in the world rankings They are on a 35 game unbeaten run Which leaves them too short of the Italian record of 37 games. So 35 games unbeaten. The Guardian says of Argentina, this is the first time Argentina arrive at a World Cup in peace. There is team spirit. There is hard work. They are a well-oiled machine, apparently. So for more, very happy to say, the always brilliant Marcela Mora Irahu joins us on the line from Argentina. Hi, Marcela. Hello there. Hi. So if the Guardian are right here, I suspect they are, then... Argentine football is in rude health. Never before have they arrived at a World Cup in such a state of confidence and peace about their setup. Well, I think it's true. Argentina are in a good place at the moment, the national squad, not the country. Um, and, and there's a, a lot of enthusiasm. I have to say, in 2002, Argentina arrived in peak condition with a massive stretch of unbeaten games, great record, first in the group to qualify, and it was absolutely disastrous. Argentina left after three games, the earliest exit in God knows how long, and it wasn't due to anything going desperately wrong at the World Cup itself. In Russia, uh, the last World Cup 2018, it was a disaster and you could see that everything was imploding and the team were a mess and the uh, football association was a mess and everything was incredibly difficult. But in 2002, there was harmony. We had the best manager in the world, Marcelo Bielsa. Um, the players were ready and it just didn't happen. And I think that's it's something one should hold as a possibility because Argentina is so enthusiastic at the moment. The country's completely geared up. And I think anything that, you know, it, it's just not a given. It, there's so much scope for tremendous disappointment, um, even though it, it is true that this is the best psychic, you know, in terms of spirit and football-wise that the squad has been in a very long time. They're high on the Cop America win, and they are a good team. They gelled. There's, you know, been a little bit of worry with injury, La Celso not being there, but there's other players. And there's always other players that can fulfil. Everyone's ready. And Messi is at his prime, without a doubt. So, you know, a lot is, uh, a lot is given. A lot of the conditions are there. What could go wrong? So, if we... Uh, <laughs> Jump back to 2018 for a second. So Jorge Sampaoli's tenure comes to a very dispiriting end, as you've referenced. Last 16 exit in Russia. And then Lionel Scaloni, who is still the manager, he was an assistant to Sampaoli. He took over very much on an interim basis. I don't think he'd ever been 
the main manager of a team before at club level or certainly not international level and it was very much supposed to be an interim arrangement and yet here he is four years later so I suspect he has surprised even himself at this stage Marcelo what did he do that has proved so successful? Well, uh, it's a really lovely story, actually, of, uh, of football growth. Um, first of all, Lionel Scaloni is uh, a, a low-profile, non-confrontational kind of figure. And he had, as, as the 2018 project uh, crumbled, Scaloni had built quite a good rapport with a lot of the players. He stayed on, uh, in theory, as, as the manager of the youth um international squad and then was asked to step in for uh for, for just in a kind of interim measure for a couple of games and he was working already with Pablo Aymar who is another fantastic character in the kind of the you know the, the cast of Argentinian football elite football men um we've got some really really good characters at the moment both Scaloni and Aymar had been as youth players trained by Jose Beckerman, who was the true revolutionizer of the Argentinian youth system. And uh, Scaloni says when you know when when they offered him to manage the main, the first team, Pablo Aymar said, "You're mad. We can't do that." And he said, "Well, it's just a couple of games." But they had this working rapport with the players so it wasn't like a completely new novice you know Maradona was given the national team when he had very little managing experience in a in a kind of you know bang and bluster of, of exorbitant showmanship this was literally just an interim thing and they worked well and then the thing he did which I think has been quite wise was started to work with the players who were in Argentina or who were less known, younger players, and no Messi. And so he built a team that was, uh, you know, comfortable without this presence of some kind of superhuman, uh, you know, celebrity. But I have to say, you know, hands up, there was a lot of, there was a lot of criticism when uh, Scaloni was first appointed, and I, and I was among among the people who were going, "This is just nonsense." You know, we're never going to be serious again. And so he just, uh, you know, calmly worked through that. He then appointed Walter Samuel and Roberto Ayala, who are also legends of yesteryear. Um, really good each at their position. Samuel's training with the defenders and. And, and they work really well. And then when Messi stepped in, there was already this well-oiled machine. And it's a bit of a cliche, but um, I, I do believe it very strongly. Messi only functions as part of a system, a cooperative system. He can't be the single guy that does it alone. So, you know, then, I mean, there's a couple of documentaries and... Um, behind the scenes kind of compilations with the whole squad now doing the rounds on various platforms and there, and there's just so much anecdote there about how the young players wouldn't be scared off by Messi and just knocked on his bedroom door with a mate and a pack of cards and how they all just did you know then they had the experience of Copa America which was the truly bonding um and 
confidence boosting because that was that that really is Argentina's first major international trophy in decades. And also it seems to have lifted enormous pressure off Messi. I think I heard a journalist saying it's he was carrying a really heavy rucksack and ironically the rucksack got lighter once you put the cup inside it. Mm. So I think that's a rather lovely image. Yeah, something very wise on Scaglioni's part to uh, get the base in working order before introducing Messi because I dare say uh, Messi's uh, mood probably uh, affected by whether or not things are going uh, well around him especially when he's travelling all the way back to Argentina and the Copa America win as he lifted that trophy it did look like a you mentioned a bonding moment it certainly looked like a bonding moment for him in the Argentinian public and I don't know how many times the point has been made that there has been a slight standoffishness between Messi and the Argentinian public uh, certainly for yeah. a, a player of, of his great ability and now as he heads into his fifth World Cup and having you know lifted their first trophy in 28 years uh, I dare say he's never been more popular in Argentina Exactly that. Um, it's. It, I think it's really fascinating, and I'm, I'm not sure it's possible to explain exactly why or how. I mean, even before the Copa America win, there was an, an enormous amount of the Argentinian football-loving public, which public even, um, that 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 loved him anyway. You know, a lot of uh, when he he resigned in a huff in 2016 after missing a penalty in in a in a final. A lot of, you know voices were going like we don't care you don't we don't need a trophy we love you anyway come back come back and it, and he did come back and in fact the project of the entire argentinian football association and structure and industry was to lure messi back but something's shifted with this group and and it's also coincided with him leaving barcelona and with maradona dying and i i think in some ways, Maradona dying did kind of clear the, 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 the way. I'm not saying Messi wanted him to die or anything like that, but sure, it's sure. somehow he is now the only living legend, yeah. as it were. Um, and, and, the, and the Barcelona to Paris shift was, was really significant too, I think, because we thought of him as a one-man club who performed for that club and for nowhere else and no one else. And so in a way, I think Messi had some liberations, you know, the symbolic, metaphoric liberation from Diego uh, physically present and, the, and the, the real kind of labour workman man who chooses his future liberation of, of stepping out of Barcelona. But I wouldn't underestimate the the excellence of the team around him and the players and the and the methodology that Scaloni and co who are known as the Scalonetta in Argentina you know the, the project is the Scalonetta um have have also played in in this glorious moment which yeah. I really hope lasts until you know next week <laughs> yeah I'm sure such interesting observations I hadn't considered what Maradona's passing might mean for Messi as the only living legend and then the Barcelona point I'm sure you're so right about that as well because Argentinians must have looked at Messi who was swept away to Barcelona as a child and uh, suspected that his true love was Barcelona whereas now they're the one constant yeah yeah it's really interesting I think and no doubt call him it 
column inches will be devoted to it. But he does seem uh, very well in himself, very at peace with his Argentinianness, which had been questioned for for so many years, and very um, confident in a you know in a in a in a leader way on on the pitch, which I think again you know is slightly new. This this confident, assertive Messi that isn't shy or introverted or whatever it is he was. So it, it, it should bode well. Um, there's a lovely clip, which is from one of these programs, of him uh, infusing the, the squad in the Copa America final and just saying, you know, what they have to play for. And it's so interesting because his language use is so odd and he kind of, um, he says, you know, think about your families, think about the sacrifice we've put in here we've been 45 days cooped up uh Dibu martinez had a baby he hasn't met you know we it's just a little bit more now and we can do it and among the things he lists as um as you know incredibly emotionally bonding signs of good karma is we haven't complained about the flights or the hotels <laughs> at any point and i thought that was really fascinating because one of the reasons why he resigned in 2016 was a, a you know he had been like vociferously complaining that they that the things weren't booked properly that they got to the wrong place that the times were wrong and clearly that's something that really matters to him you know he's such a kind of uh, ordered organized person obviously if if a plane is delayed or the booking is wrong or the hotel is you know doesn't have the facilities they thought it puts him off his game and i i, I thought that was it, I was quite fascinated by that, actually. I yeah. think um, it tells us a lot about how his mind works. Well, he and Roy Keane should sit down for a conversation sometime, Marcella. That's all oh. i <laughs> uh, Argentina, for all their riches up front, you know, you, you, Messi and Di Maria and Lataro Martinez will lead the line. He scored nine goals for Inter this season. I have seen pieces as well noting that they have conceded just two goals in 14 and somebody like Christian Romero of Spurs has come in and partnered Otamendi at centre-back and so there is a sense that this is not a lopsided team. They don't have to score four uh, to win a game. So what do you suspect is a likely finish for Argentina at this World Cup, which is so impos- impossible to predict given the, the paucity of games between European and South American opposition over the last couple of years? Well, I, I mean, I think that's uh, something to bear in mind, really. We haven't seen South American teams advancing to the latter stages for a, for a while. And certainly in, in Russia, it was entirely European. It was like a glorified Euro Cup towards the end of the World Cup. There was no non-European squads there so we need to see what you know how long standing that that difference in 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 competitiveness is is going to be i don't know if south america is having a bad moment historically or if it's just reduced its kind of impact on the world stage as its own power within fifa has diminished or or what it is that's going on certainly a lot of these players are playing competitively in Europe all the time. And I don't just mean Argentinians, you know, South Americans generally. So they should be up to playing against the, you know, the people they face week in, week out. Uh, also, though, um, it's worth 
I think highlighting that the you know the, the World Cup is full of surprises. As I say, in 2002, Argentina arrived first and hailed as favourites and left first, and it's happened before. Colombia in '94 were favourites of their region and left before anyone else. So at any point this can end. I think we're all expecting very much Argentina to, to remain past the group stages and that, you know, speculating, is it going to be France? Is it going to be who we're facing? But I, I wouldn't say it's a given that, that Europe is going to pose the, the tough competition. I think it's more likely to happen that we see a giant of world football go home early because of some, you know, narrative that happened, a little drama that, that just, you know, VAR is, completely shifts a lot of what, of our expectations, uh, a game that goes to penalties, who knows? Personally, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, pre- I'm preparing myself for, for a full month's work. I, I, want, I want us to be there until the bitter end, mm. like we were in Brazil, which was actually completely unexpected. Uh, this is probably too complicated a question to answer in one answer, but I'll, I'll put you under pressure anyway. Uh, the 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 place of the football team in Argentina, uh, as opposed to I don't know um, the dark days of the the seventies where that World Cup was going on against a dreadful backdrop for that win, and then eighty six and Maradona, it it felt like just the most important thing to Argentinian people from afar. In 2022, is, is the football team as central to identity and, and is it the, the, the big topic always? So, by way of, a, of, a, of an anecdotal example, my brother and his mates the other day went out into the streets asking random people, what would you rather, the country doing well economically and the social situation stabilising or Argentina winning the World Cup? It's worth pointing out this country is at its worst economic point in decades. You know, we are facing hyperinflation. Things are really, like, at bursting point. And people said, we want to win the World Cup with incredibly um, brilliant remarks, like, well, you know, the country doing well, the economy, how long can that last? (laughs) The Cup's forever. And to my utter astonishment, one of the ministers of, of, you know, work and and finance on television said uh, just yesterday or the day before, we don't need to worry about the inflation now. We can, you know, the only important thing now is to win the World Cup. So I, you know, you have the government saying it and the people in the street. There isn't yet a fever, a World Cup fever. I mean, there's lots of advertising, you know, there's, there's, yeah, of course, a lot of, you know, media retention, but you don't get the sense that it's quite kicked off yet. Mm. Um, but the the first game is at 7am on a school day and, and all state schools have already written to parents saying, you know, we, we're starting late, so d- don't worry about coming in mm. in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, I think we still have that kind of sense that this is the most important thing. And there's obviously also people who go, thank God it's the World Cup because I'm going to go shopping. There's no one anywhere. Yeah. And, or, you know, uh, uh, I can catch up on my reading or whatever. But I think, yeah, I think it's still very much there. Argentina loves football in, in, in a way that very many 
football loving nations love football. So a lot of people have a first and 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 everlasting love for their club. Uh, and then we get swept up in the frenzy of the national furor. But you know, it's not. Um, it, it's a, it's if 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 they don't play well, if things go wrong, if it's like 2018, then people do switch off and condemn and criticise. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a. But yeah. And I mean, it, it, that is the magic of the World Cup. I, like growing up, the thought that the kids in Argentina are off school today and will be off school tomorrow and fever has gripped everyone uh, for one month is, is kind of one of the uncomplicated, rare, uncomplicated joys, I think. However, this World Cup is very complicated. To what extent have the issues in Qatar, be they uh, social or the treatment of migrant workers, been to the fore of the conversation? Here, it's it, I would say it has overshadowed the build up to the World Cup massively. I don't know to what extent that's true in Argentina. We don't have a team participating, so it may well be different. No, no, I think it has. Um, not not quite with the intensity as I saw in the UK. I, I came here, a, you know, a week ago, <clears throat> and I uh, I think the US and European media are really all guns blazing, and the, and the 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 toxicity of a lot of the accusations you know, accusations level like Qatar is quite, um, it, it's, it's quite extreme in a way. Argentina isn't that bothered, I think, by a lot of the issues, but definitely the um, LGBT issue is big here. We have, uh, you know, very recently legalized abortion, and so there's a, there's a great... Um, mood of change and of tolerance and of you know bodily self-determination and there's well gay marriage has been legal here for a lot longer than in many countries so that is a is, a, is part of the discourse Qatar feels so far away and there's not really that much uh middle eastern immigration in a country of immigrants from everywhere well, actually, that's not true. We've had a Syrian president, but there's not there's not that much orthodoxy present. In Argentina, immigrants come and become Argentinian really quickly. So I found, and I'm I this may be I don't know um, I don't know if I've thought it through enough. I found a le- a, le- a certain level of honing in on things like like. Uh, seeing the wearing of the hijab as oppression towards women or, you know, quite a lot of uh, the, the fact that you, that women maybe can't wear a bikini on the beach, that's gaining quite a lot of traction, which I think is slightly frivolous and perhaps misses the point. But then someone was saying to me yesterday, but there's no, you know, if you live in London, then you, you live with people from everywhere really all the time. So um, you, you, you're not as surprised by the, the clothes. I find... There's a lot of emphasis on what women wear historically in every culture that slightly detracts from the real issues. Mm. But the workers' rights, I haven't seen aired so much. Mind you, this is a country that has domestic workers from neighbouring um, countries working in quite rough conditions in, in, in many, many households. So it'd be good if that conversation seeped through. Um, you know, we could unionise domestic workers on the back of the Qatar World Cup. That would be something. 
Uh, Marcella, as ever, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Marcella Mora Iraho with us from Argentina and our football show coverage and off the ball brought to you by Sky All the Football You Love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.